guys, so this is our third podcast at Cosmic Corner. Woohoo! Um, this week I was very privileged to interview a really inspiring lady. Emma Anderson is a life purpose coach, a fellow sober traveller, and also has a really lovely Scottish accent, which I was a little bit jealous of. <laughs> so without further ado, I'm going to play the interview and I hope you guys enjoy. So, Emma, what drew you to become a life coach? I started seeing a life coach, a spiritual life coach, two or three years ago now. Um, I was just feeling so lost, totally stuck. I'd been in the same career for like 14 years. I was a manager and I just knew there was something else I was meant to do, but I didn't know what it was. So I started seeing my coach. Um, shout out to Tony. She was amazing. <laughs> um totally changed my life like it took maybe I was seeing her for about a year to be honest off and on just dipping in and out when I needed to and we kind of just came to the conclusion that I am a coach it just took me a while to get to that realization of it and the first day I met her she was like oh my god you're a light worker yada 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 and I was so like what's that what does that mean so it was amazing a big eye-opener and yeah just through seeing her it made me realize how much I wanted to help other women that were in the same position that I was in before I escaped the nine-to-five as it were and what and what was the nine-to-five when you were um well I was working in retail yeah working in cosmetics I was a counter manager for years and I was just miserable for such a long time. But you know how it is. I stayed because yeah. it was my comfort zone. I worked my way up. I never intended to, but it's just one of those things you end up being a manager, don't you? When you've yeah. been somewhere long enough. I really hear um, you on that because I had um, I was in advertising and I just got stuck. And I'm still a little bit stuck. Um, so, yeah, you just kind of, you suddenly want, you want so badly to be out of something. But you're like, oh, no, I'm still... I'm still here. <laughs> Till yeah, you. and it's yeah. the whole fear of starting again because you know I'm 39 now, so this was a few years ago, and the yeah. thought of starting somewhere from the bottom up, and you have this awful money mindset and beliefs, and yeah, yeah, was totally um, stuck in there. But I came to realise that the one thing I loved about my job was not really the makeup itself, but it was, <clears throat> excuse me it was making women feel amazing. So I was never like the best makeup artist and I never really aspired to be, but when I had ladies that were maybe like over 50 and they just lost all confidence in themselves and then I could just teach them a few things and it just made them feel amazing and changed everything for them. And, you know, that just really led to me being like, ah, this is what I love. This is what I want to do to help empower other women. So, yeah. That's amazing. And, it's such a, and that is such a thing. I worked on a, a body shop uh, counter when I was younger and I loved doing other people's mm-hmm. makeup just to see um, that kind of inspiration almost to come back, um, which yeah. is yeah, so lovely. You mentioned um, money mindset. Did you have to do a lot of work around? Because um, I'm, I'm actually, I mean, I've been doing so much work and I continue. I think it's like a, a lifelong job to do the, the money work. Okay. <laughs> yeah still ongoing it's, it's one of these things that we all battle yeah. with and yeah I didn't even realize how much I struggled with it until I started to look into it and research it and 
read the books and it's still something I'm working on all the time but it's those limiting beliefs from childhood like I grew up we didn't have a lot of money yeah it was always a, a struggle you know there was weeks where we'd be having jam sandwiches for dinner for however many days in a row yeah. and so I always had this lack mindset oh there's never going to be enough so you need to keep it all and when you have that mindset and then the thought of leaving to start something totally different is absolutely terrifying so yeah still an ongoing work in progress trying to get around that but I've come I hear you. <laughs> um it's a daily thing isn't it because I think I mean especially limiting beliefs I suppose like you come across you work with clients to break those down because that's really the um where I've realized where I, I get completely stuck sometimes is is stuff that I've just still believe that isn't necessarily mm-hmm. true like oh I'm not I'm not deserving of money or I don't deserve a good relationship and then and trying to constantly um I don't know what it is almost argue against those beliefs contradict them is a can sometimes be really mm-hmm. exhausting <laughs> um oh, arguing with the voices <laughs> yeah like, no, that's not true that that is not that's just a story it's not the truth so yeah yeah it's huge it's like ongoing um so you said um your coach was a spiritual coach so where did you start with your spirituality and where do you feel like you are now like what's your sort of journey been like in that Mm, it's always kind of been there since I was young like I grew up in the highlands of Scotland and I went to a school where there was I think 10 pupils all together so we had one teacher she was very Christian and very strict so we had bible study and prayers and things and I remember asking my mum for a bible because I was just drawn to the spiritual side of it but I knew it wasn't it wasn't so much that side of it just always been drawn to it and then as I got older I started going into the new age section in the bookshops in the 90s as a teenager and bought books on being a witch and tarot cards and yeah I've had my same set of tarot cards my original set for 20 odd years a long time so it started with that wow drifted away from it as I got more into drinking (laughs) so fell away from it a bit then and over the last few years I've just really come back to it um, since I got sober um, before that so yeah I would describe myself as a witch and it's you know tarot is my thing I love my tarot cards I do them every single day Um, my meditation my yoga you know it's really for me having that connection to the universe which is my spirituality is not worshipping any like one deity or yeah or anything but yeah I'm sure you're on the same wavelength with that one we get you on that and when you say witch what does that like embody to you um Hmm. so I know it's a tricky one because when people think witch they think the spell casting and everything you see on tv yeah I'm sure people are thinking of charmed or like like, that easy to have those powers, I was but. so jealous of that power where she could freeze people I was yeah. always so <laughs> jealous of that because I thought god if there was like a really bad situation I could just freeze it and then I could just run out Perfect. the door and then it was, yeah. <laughs> the dream but yeah it's really just about working with the energy of the universe and manifestation a lot of the stuff that um, I guess you could say new age spirituality, although I hate that phrase, mm. um, is involved with and it is 
just about to me it's about empowering yourself and making things happen for yourself by working with the energies of the universe you know really big on the energy and and as a light worker as well like as you said and also I've definitely realized this recently like I pick up a lot of other people's energy and I sometimes Mm -hmm. have to like work to protect myself and and do you find that on a that sort of empathy or being an empath can really um yeah because I've definitely gone through weeks of being like whoa what's going on um and it's been like this collective energy or like the moon cycles yeah I mean as I said I'm sure it was to you I'd said about the full moon every time there's a full moon a whole week the three days before three days after I'm just completely wiped and um my friends that are witches you know if I'll be messaging them oh the energy feels so heavy and horrible how are you and they always feel the same way and same empathing when you're with big groups of people like I'm a very sociable person I'm a typical Gemini so I love to be like socializing but if I'm around a big group of people for too long, it's just extremely draining. And oh. it was a lot of the reason I left cosmetics as well. It was, don't get me wrong, I made friends for life. There were some amazing people that worked there, but at the same time, it was a very toxic, very, mm. could be quite gossipy and bitchy. Mm. And it's not like I wouldn't do that. I would be joining in as well. But yeah, you would and feel then you so feel that heaviness don't you like I worked at somewhere that we were like I think we spent one day where we just bitched all day about our boss um Mm -hmm. and I got home and felt so drained from that because you take part in it and then you're like what am I doing this is a waste of time and you forget about yeah and you're kind of forgetting that the other person is actually still a person you know a human being but obviously we're all at work we can all be in our ego can't we which it's not always the most genuine representation of a person, but we can mm-hmm. be like, God, she's evil. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very hard to not have that, especially yeah. anywhere, but retail, yeah, there can be some, some difficult managers. There, yeah, but... I had my fair share, fair share. <laughs> and I think that's really been, that has also in a way been a catalyst to, um, to really work for myself um not the, the only reason but definitely uh definitely our reason um because it is just uh so difficult because you just communicate you can just be communicating with someone and they just take what you say in, in a completely wrong way or they mishear it and yeah it's, it's difficult in workplaces i think um but yeah hopefully that's something we won't have to well i'm guessing you won't don't have to deal with at the moment which must be lovely <laughs> Yeah, it is It is great to work for myself. And, I mean, this is my dream life for me, to be able to coach yeah. other women and help other women that were in my position. Um, but at the same time, you never have time off, right? Yeah, yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah the struggle is real as well. And um, you, you said, so what does your day-to-day life, your dream life look like in, in your day? Like, in, describe one day to me in, in your life. Okay, well, I mean... <laughs> It's not there yet. <laughs> it's not where I would want to be quite yet. But yeah, I mean, my dream day is just really coaching my amazing clients. Like they're incredible. And obviously I would always like to be busier and mm-hmm. my business hasn't been going for a really long time. So I'm still building it up. But yeah, the the dream for me is to have the group coaching sessions that I've had through other coaches that it's just to have that energy of all these women and people together 
working off each other um, to be able to do that for other people is the dream a hundred percent for sure that sounds yeah and it's that feeling isn't it it's like the reward of of helping others um mm -hmm. it's like what we're meant to be doing here really isn't it yeah um, definitely so yeah i know you mentioned that you were sober um mm -hmm. and that when you did start drinking you kind of lost that connection with the tarot and that part mm -hmm. of you that spiritual part of you i definitely have very similar story i i always had that kind of draw to it but when i started to sort of my eating disorder and then alcohol i really just pushed it kind of just to disconnect you from everything around you so it's amazing that you rediscovered that in sobriety but like i just wanted to say i just wanted to ask like what it was like before when you were drinking and, and what happened in your life to get you to change and and like what mm -hmm. it looks like today as well um yeah <laughs> yeah. <Cool. laughs> um so yeah i've been sober for 14 months i think now so not a huge amount of time but yeah as i said i'm 39 so i wanted to drink as a teenager but me and my friends and they won't mind me saying this we were the little geeks in school so we Aww. always looked really young <laughs> didn't get a hold of alcohol not for lack of trying so I was really 18 before I started drinking properly mm -hmm. um and it was just pure escapism like I grew up with two alcoholic parents mm -hmm. um which was really difficult and I saw how it was destroying them but I didn't connect it in a way like I just thought for me as a way to escape that it's the, the cycle isn't it so mm -hmm. yeah, I couldn't wait to be drinking and from the minute I could drink that was it it was always drinking to blackout like to excess I could never say no just drink 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 I was always the drunk even at 18 like everyone's drinking but I was always the most drunk I was always one passed out or being sick or being carried home or whatever yeah I've been there <laughs> yeah all of the stories <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was yeah it was more like binge drinking at the weekends and then I moved away from the Highlands and moved to Glasgow. I didn't have a job or anything. I just needed to get away from my home city. So moved down to here and obviously escalated because I was still young, Do you know, 19, 20, 21, going out. I worked somewhere where we went out like five nights a week. We were always out after work and yeah, long story short, just kept escalating and then a few years ago, three years ago, my husband um, decided to retrain a new career, which meant he'd be working away Monday to Friday, mm -hmm. together 20 years. So wow. we would take our days off together. So we were always together all the time. So it was quite a shock to the system and um, it brought up all these horrible feelings of abandonment and, you know, just lots of triggers from childhood and things. So, and then also you don't have someone there every night so you just drink mm. loneliness and boredom and so it was just like the constant battle in my head walking home from work every night of oh, will I buy a bottle of wine will I not will I won't I always did and then it was just getting kind of worse and worse over the last few years I knew I wanted to stop but it's one of these things where I never thought I was an alcoholic because mm. I grew up with alcoholics and I wasn't drinking in the morning and you know I wasn't drinking straight vodka but I knew it was affecting my life in a bad way every day off I was hungover 
like I wasn't mm. able to function. Um, I stopped kind of drinking during the week for about a year beforehand, but that just made it worse at the weekends, you know. Yeah. Um, I did quit a few times for like one time for a month and then one time for seven weeks. It's that cycle of shame, just carried the shame. Yeah. Uh, drank, oh, yep, drank to forget it and then it just makes it worse so it was ending up like that at the weekends and just decided I never decided to quit completely but I still just remember I would get the worst hangovers even like three mm. glasses of wine I would be so ill had the worst hangover I could not even lift my head off the couch the whole day to, except to be sick and I just thought, oh, I'm going to take another break. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. And mm. do 100 days. In those first 100 days, I had outdoor gigs. I had weddings. I had a holiday. <laughs> so I was really wow. testing myself. Yeah, that's really testing. Oh, but there's never a good time. Like, the times I did it before was four weeks, but I didn't really have much of them. So I could. And I thought, no, I just need to get through. If I can get through these hundred days and all these social occasions and not drink then I know I can do it and my husband did it with me which was amazing um he's been an amazing support now he be like a couple of beers on a Saturday night nothing nothing like me nothing to the extreme that I was um but he just decided that he didn't really want to drink anymore either so that was us we've not really looked back since then it's been I mean, it's difficult. You you know yourself, it is difficult, mm. especially at the start. And we said, you know, I didn't go to AA. I didn't do anything like that. But to be honest, the reason I didn't go is I thought, oh, I'm not bad enough. Mm. You know, mm. but mm-hmm. still a problem drinker. It's still affecting your life. And I thought if I went, that they would say, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> yeah. You're not drinking in the morning you don't really yeah. have a drinking problem like why are you here you know yeah so I think I thought for the first three months that this was some terrible mistake and that someone would come in and say oh no 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 Chantel get up you're not you're not an alcoholic or like you're not a problem drinker like I think mm-hmm. <laughs> I think interestingly as well what you touched on about um you know uh, uh, that I think you, you were saying about how well, I'm not an alcoholic and I'm, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. you are, but it's, mm-hmm. but even though it was so like detrimental to your life, that was, it's always that mm-hmm. question of, and I yeah. hear so many times of people saying, instead of just saying life, this alcohol is making my life small and miserable. It's always yeah. that question of, but I'm not an alcoholic. So I, but therefore I can, I, I, I'm not going to do anything about it. It's that weird yeah. kind of like it has to be a which it seems like you kind of address that as just it's just a word and it's just a the semantics 100%. around but a lot of people mm-hmm. you know there's so much fear around that I think as well mm-hmm. that um mm-hmm. you know people will be like oh well I'm you know I can handle it and it's like but what is it actually doing to your life what's it adding to your life it, you don't necessarily have to agree with that term it's just exactly like, yeah. I totally agree like I always say to people if you don't have to be alcoholic as such what does that even mean anyway but yeah. if it's affecting your life in any sort of negative way then it's a problem yeah. it's not serving you it's not benefiting you and you know you're not boring <laughs> that's always the fear isn't it that yeah. you're going to turn into the awful boring person if you don't try yeah. and I definitely when I first got sober people were like but but like they were sort of amused in a way of like 
but do you not like get bored? And I'd be like, well, no. I mean, I get bored at work events when everyone's drunk. Yes, that yeah. is boring. <laughs> I'm not bored in my life anymore. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, the first three months, the shame was, oh, the shame was like palpable. But then the weekends could sometimes feel like, oh, Lord, is, this, is it going to be like this forever? But it really wasn't. Um, but, you know, it, takes, it does take that time. And I think, unfortunately, we do live especially in the UK and Scotland, we live in very, oh, Scotland, especially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, saturated, um, environments, um, which is, you know, it does, it just keeps you, I think sometimes alcohol can really, if you have a problem with it, really just keep you in a box. It's like a, a jail cell mm-hmm. almost. Um, so yeah, that sounds, but that sounds amazing. So like, and in terms of how you feel about it now, is it, is it just, I mean, 14 months is incredible. So I'm guessing it. The longer that you rewire your brain, the more it becomes a a sort of yeah. I mean, my life is just better without it. There's no benefits to going back to it. And if I ever thought, you know, oh, just treat myself with a glass of wine, like, what's the point? Like, it's pointless and it's not treat. There's a million other ways to treat yourself. It's just not worth going back to for me. Um, I did a lot of work because you know I didn't go to AA I really just immersed myself in Quitlet and podcasts about sobriety and it was amazing to find this whole community like on Facebook groups and everything all the support that is out there for free and people like me like um, to be honest I struggled to find any accounts in Scotland because all the quitlet and podcasts and stuff I found were either American or English. Yeah. And I feel like even though UK drinking culture is similar across the board, Scotland is especially like difficult. It's a massive drinking culture, yeah. especially in somewhere like Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Every social event revolves around drinking or getting drunk. So, you know, I, I did struggle to find Scottish pages, but I did find a couple... Um, just in case any Scottish people are listening, there's Sober Buzz <laughs> Scotland on Instagram, which is an amazing account. Um, and just to find people you can relate to yeah. that are similar to me that never would see themselves going to somewhere like AA, but mm-hmm. wanted to find someone else to relate to. There are places out there online that you can Yeah, you can I think to. it's amazing that we've grown that much as, as a society that we can have a we don't, it doesn't have to just be this one route, you know, there's a thousand yeah. other ways to do it. And it's, mm-hmm. and I always say to people, recovery is, is very personal to you. It's about what you yeah. variety is very personal to you. It's about what works for you. So, mm-hmm. um, and that, I think, you know, a few, I think a few years ago, there wasn't nearly as many people talking about it as there are now, which is. No, it seems to have just exploded now. Mm. And it's almost, I read so many articles and I do speak to a lot of people that want to quit but they just find the thought of it too terrifying and also they just don't think they're bad enough um yeah I was always so still full of shame about like coming out that I was sober I kept it quite quiet apart from close family and friends and then sort of six months in I launched an Instagram account a sobriety page but I kept it anonymous because still the shame is so terrifying it's it's so weird isn't it yeah even though the things that we did try were so shame inducing you know Mm -hmm. someone at events said to me oh do you not drink oh why are you not having a drink I'd just be like um 
I'm on antibiotics or, you know, something really <laughs> random. Just so, because I had so much shame in saying I don't actually drink. Um, and that's okay to leave it at that, full stop. Or no, I don't want one. But it's interesting how we, we really do have this. It's like we've already, we've said something, you know, abhorrent to someone. Um, and we've, mm. all we've said is I don't drink. But I really understand that yeah you always get questions like yeah. it's still it's always like why why not what's your reasons and it's like you know i just don't drink and yeah it's personal as well like, yeah it's very but yeah like, like i was saying still the shame and it was still an anonymous account but when i think it was about the six months mark actually that i put my name onto the account and shared it on my personal facebook the amount of people that reached out and the support I got was wow. unbelievable. I was thinking it would be the opposite, but all these people that I've known for years were private messaging me, asking me how I did it, how, you know, they've been thinking about it, they want to do it. So talking out about it makes such a difference. Yeah, huge mm-hmm. difference. Like just because people just, I think, always think that there aren't other people that people yeah. wouldn't understand, that they'd be, you know, we are like social animals. So we, we feel like we'd be alienated from a pack, you know, of, of wolves almost, but mm-hmm. actually people are really supportive. I think the people that, you know, want to be in your life or, you know, or have some connection with drink themselves mm-hmm. will usually express like some level of support, which is lovely, I think. Yeah. And then there are those that don't, but <laughs> yeah, there are also <laughs> those people as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh they're they're great um so what do you love most about I think you've said this about your career as a life coach um but but just to yeah um just what I was saying empowering women to change their lives like I just relate it back to how I felt and was just so lost and felt totally stuck and I couldn't move forward and being able to work with women and see them break those barriers and make their dreams a reality and empower them like I'm sure you can relate there's no better feeling than helping people change their life for the better you know yeah 100% I think it's just because and then also I think you built your own you've built your own life on something really meaningful yeah yeah it's, it's kind of way of giving back to to the world I guess um yeah so what is a crazy but true fact about you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm trying to think of something that's actually crazy. I mean, the only thing I can really think of is Flavor Flav from Public Enemy hit on me one time when I was oh working God. in Boots. <laughs> so random when I was working in Boots a million years ago and they were doing a gig or something and he came in and he was hitting on me and trying to give me free tickets and stuff and I didn't take him up on the offer and my husband then boyfriend was raging (laughs) 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 yeah sorry I was quite uncomfortable with the whole situation oh that's amazing (laughs) I don't think I've ever had anyone famous ask me out oh I think I walked past Bill Nye once and he like looked me up and down and I was like oh my god (laughs) Bill Nye fancies me and then I was like that's so gross and tell what you just said (laughs) Oh God, I was, it was, yeah, it was a very weird moment. Um, 
so yeah I think as well like what you just said as well about why is life coaching and helping others so important to you but um Mm -hmm. it's it's that feeling you get isn't it of being of service and being of use really Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely it is exactly that just being able to hold space for people and Mm just support them on their journey to a better life you know it sounds cheesy but it's so true (laughs) and also to be at that place where you must feel like you are in a better life like um Mm -hmm. and you can almost say like listen it's you know you can come over to this side it does exist um it's not as scary as you think like it's amazing my life is completely totally different in every way well I'm still married but that's about the only thing that's um, the same it's it's amazing. been amazing and mm-hmm. how like when you say like um empowered I'm, I'm guessing you, mm-hmm. you feel quite empowered yourself and what does that empowerment mean to you like how does that show up in your in your day-to-day life mm, I think it's for me empowering myself is breaking out my comfort zone you know yeah. doing things that I would, the me of three, four, five years ago would never, ever have dreamt of doing, like, you know, even just uh, posting videos on my social media or signing up for coaching in the first place, doing a podcast, you know. You need to do these things and push yourself to feel empowered. Nothing changes and nothing changes. Yeah, you know, that's so true. Your life just by sitting doing the same thing and expecting different results from doing yeah. the same over and over and over. Yeah, so, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I even this today like had anxiety about, uh, well, not anxiety, but I was worried about this podcast tonight because I haven't done this. I mean, um, my journalist days were at uni and they were like 10 years ago. So I was having all this, like, I can't do this. Who am I? And it's all that kind of limiting belief stuff. And I was, mm-hmm. but I have mm-hmm. a better hold on that now to be like, but I, you know, that's, that wasn't there before. So, I, and I'm, I'm guessing the same for you, that kind of those limiting beliefs really just ran our lives um mm-hmm. and, um, but you didn't even realize what mm. they were until you start researching it and training as a coach mm. and then it's like your mind is blown you're like oh this is why I am the way I am and guess what I can choose my thoughts I can choose not to think that anymore yeah. you know yeah and I think I think it's that thing as well as like someone I don't know if that's a quote by someone but once you know it you can't unknow it and it's very similar to sobriety I think once Mm -hmm. you know that there is something that you need to address with the drinking you can't unknow Mm -hmm. that and and living in that space of denial and um and and staying small because of limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. I think that kind of perpetuates the the shame we feel because we I think we know that we're not stepping up to the plate you know and and um living on living in this kind of yeah just I always just felt it was really small and narrow and dark and and not what I wanted for myself not what I envisioned my life to be I think um I can totally relate yeah. I love the way you say that the that you just lived small yeah. like I felt exactly the same and I just I want to live big now and I'm getting there. I'm not living as big as I want to be, but you're when you're drinking, like on that path though, hundred percent. Yeah. Everything is small and, and a bit crap. And you know, it's like groundhog day every day. Just what you were saying about the, you know, thinking, am I going to have a bottle of wine? Am I not? Yeah. And, 
then having another hangover and, and all the control I think that goes into it. I mean, I've definitely had people say to me, can you moderate? And I can't because I can't do the control. I can't, I can't, the control actually makes me more ill of being like, right. Well, I've only had two glasses of wine this week <laughs> on Monday. So I won't have any for the rest of the week. And then I'll have three on Tuesday or three on Sunday. But then, and that would never work because it would be, so, I'd be like almost like gripping the table of like, I can't, I could, there was like the mental gymnastics behind the moderation sometimes. Yeah. It's just, and the freedom of just not having to think like that anymore, not battling every single day on whether you're going to buy the one or two bottles on the way home and or trying to get through a weekend battling, oh, I'm not going to, and then you end up doing it anyway, just to be able to decide that you're not and that's it. Yeah, that's amazing. It's that, that's really empowering as well, I think, mm -hmm. you know waking up with a clear head just never gets old even in those moments where never. <laughs> I'm sure you might have moments where some, sometimes you feel a little bit uncomfortable and you think god yeah. maybe picking up a drink would be a good idea you know like at some sort of really drunk wedding or something but actually the next day I'm like thank god but it's, you know it's getting, yeah it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable though I think I have to make peace with that that sometimes I will feel uncomfortable and I'm just gonna have to be okay with it you know um, rather than being like, I want this feeling to go, I must do something about it. Um, yeah, I do just feel like if you're not feeling uncomfortable a lot of the time, you're not living. <laughs> yeah, and you're not out of the comfort zone maybe as well, you know, not pushing yourself like you said. Um, mm -hmm. So what have you, and also like just obviously not to delve into your clients' personal histories, that would be awful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, but... Um, as a life purpose coach, have you like, what do you help your clients do? Is it, is it based in a lot of like tarot work and like finding their like own purposes like in terms of jobs or relationships? Yeah, it does vary. Um, most of my clients come to me either because they're in the same position I was they're mm -hmm. stuck they know they want to do something else but they don't know what it is so then that would be me taking them on a journey to find their purpose or their dream or their calling whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. or I can have clients that know exactly what they want to do they know they want to quit the nine-to-five and run their own business but they've got those fear blocks or they don't know exactly how to go about it and then I have other clients that come to me for one of those two reasons and it ends up totally diverting into something else, maybe about... Yeah, it's like the um, thing behind the thing. Or, mm. Yeah, they, they think they're coming to me for the life purpose thing, but when we get to the bottom of it, it's actually something totally different. So, yeah, it does vary, um, but it's mostly about yeah empowering them I feel like I'm saying that all the time but it is about that no matter what struggles they're having it's about helping them overcome them and what sort of change do you see like from the beginning to the the end of your sessions really like in that journey of say like I don't know how many sessions six or 12 sessions or something mm -hmm. like that I mean how do you see your clients change before you almost I mean it, it varies but it's it is incredible you know I could have someone that's come to me with absolutely zero self-confidence and won't go into details or anything but then for them the growth that they make over like four or five six sessions to be this totally different person which is doing things that the old version of them would never do and then loving it and for them to have the breakthroughs and the awareness 
to stop the negative thoughts like we were talking about with limiting beliefs and the fear it's yeah it's unbelievable it's amazing I was going to ask you a question then and I just totally forgot that's so annoying I think it was you said about your clients and then um yeah and that's what I was going to say I think it's so important to to bear witness to someone else's pain I think them even sharing that they have low self-confidence or they're struggling with their drinking or they're in an unhappy marriage or they hate their body that takes a huge amount of, of bravery from someone really to share with someone else it really, because it can yeah. be so like shame inducing even just to name the thing so I think mm -hmm. it's I think it just to bear witness to people to like just hold them in that space what you were saying about holding space can be so empowering in itself like obviously with all the other tools that we incorporate as coaches but just yeah. even just giving them that connection with another human being who's like you know I have a spiritual coach and honestly whenever I have a session with her I just feel like I'm so listened to and held and that's mm -hmm. such a nice mm -hmm. feeling because we don't always get that in you know, all our relationships in, you yeah. know, in life as much as we'd like to. Um, and it's I totally, yeah. The Sorry, relationship. Yeah. When you're saying <laughs> the relationship I still have with my coach, um, even though I don't really see it anymore, exactly like you're saying, being with someone and having them hold that space. And I remember people were like, what, you're seeing a coach? What's that about? Why do you need to see a coach? And trying to understand, to uh, explain to them how magical it was just to be with that person and have them help you grow. It's, it's yeah. something else. And I, I mean, hopefully it will change more that people will see maybe coaching as a, not a necessity, but as more of a part of their life than they, they do. Mm -hmm. I still think there's sort of that attitude maybe sometimes towards it, maybe more in our country than in the States mm -hmm. that, yeah coaching is like people are like well why would I do that I can you know I don't need to, you know it's that kind of it's the same sort of thing I guess around therapy that sort of but that's even started to change but I think it's it will start going that way a bit more especially in the, the strange times that we live in um I think so yeah it's yeah. trying to a lot of people grapple with the difference between coaches and therapists as you know mm -hmm. and it it's trying to explain to people what we do and how we can change their life so yeah. hopefully there's a bit more understanding out there now yeah and i'm hoping this podcast is going to serve exactly as that to, to sort of open people's eyes to all the different coaching in all the different ways um well i feel like i've like racked your brain for a long time but it, i just wanted to say thank you so so much for coming on and and being my first guest for cosmic corner um and I, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. I've learned so much. If you found anything that we spoke about of interest, please come visit me at cosmic underscore Chantel, uh, where you can find out more about what I do. And um, I also have a website, cosmicbloomcoaching.biz, uh, where you can find out more about my packages and what I offer and how I work. Um, and just touching on really what we spoke about in the episode about how important it is, you know, just listening and, and bearing witness to someone can be so empowering. And um, as life coaches, that really is the reward for, you know, our work. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll be back next week. Okay, bye guys.